Welcome to the podcast, Authors of the Pacific Northwest, where I connect authors with their readers. We also talk all about the author's inspiration, their journey to publication, and the authors will educate me and you, the listener, all about the business of writing. I'm your host, Vicki J. Carter, also known as The Author's Librarian. This podcast episode of The Authors of the Pacific Northwest is proudly sponsored by Mark Dawson's Self-Publishing Formula 101. The Self-Publishing Formula 101 is an extensive course that I have taken where you learn everything you need to know from the moment you type the end on your manuscript. It has over 30 hours of straightforward video guides to take out all the guesswork of self-publishing your own work. Um, It gives you tons and tons of information, so I highly, highly endorse Mark Dawson's Self-Publishing 101 formula. It's suitable for beginners at intermediate level, and even advanced self-publishing authors will find tons of resources. It only launches two times a year, so get on my show notes on my website and follow the link so you can sign up for interest if you're interested in Mark Dawson's 101 self-publishing formula, which is a proud sponsor of this episode. Now to the show. So hey there, podcast listeners. Thank you so much for coming back to the Authors of the Pacific Northwest. And today I have the honor of introducing you to Dee Dee Montgomery. So Dee Dee, say hello. Hi, thanks, Vicki. It's great to be here. Thank you, Dee Dee. I appreciate you coming. Um, Dee Dee found me from my website and asked to join the fun, and I'm so glad she did because I can't wait to hear all about her history and her writing and her books. So let's get started with a little bit about yourself. Kind of tell us where you where you reside out here in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, thanks. Well, normally I reside in a small town kind of just south of Portland, West Lynn. But I am happy today. I'm actually on the coast in, oh. on the Long Beach Peninsula mm. in um, near Ocean Park, where I uh, took a couple days off, but I ended up working here some today <laughs> before I head back. It is always the way, right? We take time off and we're still working, but oh, nice. So you're pretty close to me. Um, I'm in Southwest Washington. So I always say I'm a Portlander from people that don't know where I live because <laughs> it's easier because usually they say, oh, you're from Washington. So you must live in Seattle. And I'm like, Washington's a big state, people. <laughs> yeah. And I'm closer to Portland. So that's funny. How's the weather there at the beach? Oh, you know, it's been a little, little rainy, a little gray. The sun, peaks out once in a while. It's great. I love this kind of weather Yeah, during too. this time of year. Me too. I'm, I'm anxious to get back to the coast. We went to Astoria this last weekend just for a quick little jaunt. And I'm like, that's not far enough. I got to get to the coast. <laughs> I'm going to make it so. So what do you do? Are you a full-time author? Do you have a day job? Kind of tell me a little bit about that. I am a, I have a full-time day job. And, uh, you know, many of us know how challenging that is. I have about, I counted it up this year, I have 36 years um, experience working as um, as a safety and health professional and a certified industrial hygienist, which is something that prior to the pandemic, many people didn't even know what that was. And then you got really busy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, so I do that full time. I, my last uh, sixteen or so years, I've worked at OHSU in the research side. Mm-hmm. I work for a research institute, and we do, and I kind of do outreach and education around our themes of workplace safety, health, and well-being. Well, that's fantastic. That's really great. 
Um, and you're also writing. So you're and trying I to juggle writer. all of that. Yeah. Oh, so you know, you know, my pain. <laughs> I know your pain. And I think, you know, and I've been talking with some newer writers or not newer by age, but newer to writing. And, yeah. you know, what I really know is, especially if you have other things in your life, you have to be compelled. Mm-hmm. You have to be driven. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To get yeah. that, to get that workout. Yeah, it's so true. And before we hit record, um, this will be out and you guys will probably know this already that are my followers because I'll be announcing it in my newsletter here soon. I'm taking what I'm going to call a creative sabbatical. Um, I had to create something to make me feel good about stopping a few things. (laughs) So so I will be putting a close on the podcast for at least a while and I don't have a deadline. So um, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh no, what does that mean? It just means I'm writing my book um, because I did have so many um, irons in the fire with the podcast and promoting the podcast and, and trying to write, I did get one book out in the meantime, it was that nonfiction book, which has been helpful. But then after that, everybody wants me to talk about that book. And I'm like, I want to write the silly fiction book. (laughs) So I I had to put a pause on some things. So the podcast is going to be one of them. So I'm so glad we got to fit you in before I decided to take my sabbatical. (laughs) I feel really lucky about that too, but I fully understand. I have my own issues like that going on. Yeah, I calling it a sabbatical because I think I'll come back. I just don't know what version it will be. So so tell us a little bit about your genre, what you're, what you've written and what, you know, kind of talk us through, because some authors have multi-genres, some authors write one book in five genres and they mix it all together. Tell us what that, what yours is. <laughs> yeah, I will, you know, cause I was kind of later to the game and actually getting a book out. I I've always loved to write and I've journaled my entire life. Um, you know, I took some, a creative writing class or two in college before I went this other direction. Um, but I have written several genre and what is interesting to me in thinking about this, and I've, I've, you know, I commonly share that I'm a sixth generation Oregonian yes. um, within that I, there, I come from family of writers and readers. And so I really think about how much that influences, you know, I don't know that there's a genetic thing, you know, it makes you a better writer, but I think what it really does is makes you Um, you know, it's like anything when parents expose kids to things, they're like, oh, that's what you do. So in my family, we read a lot. At least I did. Not all my brothers as much as me, (laughs) but my parents did. And my grandparents did. And my great grandparents did. And, um, and as a writer, and I'll get to my genre, but it's my, um, father was a journalist, you know, very much more kind of, you know, nonfiction stuff. He would never have been able to complete a book. Yeah. But he did a lot of, you know, he wrote in the, um, you know, the shipping news and he wrote for the Port of Portland and he was a real maritime historian. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, what a cool resource. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool. And that's kind of what got, I mean, I'll get to why I started writing my book. Yeah. But then my grandfather was an, uh, was also very into history and he published three books on, you know, really kind of Northwest history. Um, in the like the 30s, 1930s. And his most known was a book called The White-Headed Eagle, which is about John McLaughlin. I know who that is. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> his father managed J.K. Gill's store and his grandfather was J.K. Gill. So my great, great grandfather, you know, and I bring all that up because, you know, books have just been such a part of my life. And so, um, so my first book, which came out in 20. 20- 17 
um, is a memoir. Mm-hmm. And it that's, you know, that's called My Music Man. That's the one where I weave seven generations of my family stories into looking at the life of me and particularly my relationship with my dad. Uh-huh. And I, I wrote that because he died. You know, uh-huh. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I ever would have written it, right? Yeah, it's therapeutic, but it's also tells great stories, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so as I started writing, part of it was I want to save these stories because he was such an awesome storyteller. And and I'm lucky because of historians in our family, I had easy access to a lot of photos and, and stories. I had to do some, but you know, that's, you, th- you talk to people who do memoir or nonfiction and how much time is spent researching yeah, or even fiction, good fiction. Well, yeah, will have good research behind it too. So I totally, yeah. you're lucky. You had it at your fingertips. I was lucky. So I wrote that book, and um, and I think pretty early on, as I started writing, and I was like, I think I want to try to publish this because there are some really interesting stories. You know, my great great greats, you know, showed up in Oregon. You know, Oregon country, you know, it wasn't even the territory, right? In uh, 1837 and 1840. And so, you know, we weren't talking Washington State. We weren't talking Oregon. Yeah, yeah. So then, um, and, and, and when I started writing that book, and, and I, I, I did go traditional publishing. And so I can talk about that. But when I signed the contract, you know, with the publisher, I realized I, I needed to, do a couple of things. I needed to work on my writing, right? In addition to getting as good of a product out as I could, because I'm yeah. newer to this. Yeah. Even though I've written in the science world and all that. Yeah. It's different. <laughs> it's different. Plus, you know, it'd be nice to find a few followers. Yeah. And exactly. so, right. <laughs> yeah. So I started that blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love blogging. And you Ooh, mentioned I hate blogging. Right. Hate it. <laughs> I, I love blogging and I have to be careful because as I started to write more books, it would be like, well, wait, do I blog or do I work on a book? And I've been mm-hmm. able to balance both. Mm-hmm. I would tell you since 2016, I have um, posted, I think it's like about 230 blogs. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> and, 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 and this has been nice for me. And so, um, so I kind of did that and I'm still doing that actively and I kind of do bring in history, but I, I bring in a lot of kind of grief and sadness yeah. over losses yeah. I've had. And yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I went to your blog oh, and did you? started doing some reading as a little bit of research for our interview. And I noticed you were very prolific in blogging. And it's funny because it's something that I kind of started out with, you know, they tell you to do everything, Right get on social media, do this and do that. And I started the podcast and I started blogging and I hated the deadline of the blog part of it. I was just like, and so I decided if I don't enjoy something very much, I'm not going to do it. So I put the blog aside. But what's funny is that now that I'm making space to write a little more, I was thinking of going back and, but doing how to blogging for on my library, library and research page for authors. Cause I think that'd be interesting for me to do. <laughs> um, I agree. I think it depends on your personality. You know, when I first, you know, I kind of kind of a researcher. So I looked at like, should I blog? Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I read lots of things about blogging. And and the advice was, if you're really well known, 
And people love to buy your books. No, just write a new book. Yeah. But if they don't, then blog. Blog, exactly. And and I started a blog ages ago before I even started. The whole idea of writing was very scary to me. So I started a, a food blog where my husband and I, we love to eat, but we, I wanted, I always love everything regional. So I wanted to keep it a Pacific Northwest regional. You can't find this blog, so don't go looking for it, people. <laughs> but but what I did is he's a great photographer. So we would go out to all these restaurants all up and down the I-5 quarter from um, down South Oregon, all the way up to Seattle when we had time and we would try restaurants. We'd hear about them and all sorts of restaurants. He'd take pictures and we would critique it because we always critique food. I mean, that's all we do. And so I'm like, I could do this. That was fun. And I loved that. But I also, it was a time thing. You know, I was like, hmm, I really had visions of becoming a food writer, but it never happened. (laughs) I wanted to get paid to, you know, write about food. (laughs) Well, and there's a reason some of us don't get to writing, seriously writing until later in our life. You know, my kids are grown up. Now my parents have both died, you know, and I took a lot of care of them. So there is this thing that happens even if we're still working, you know, out, you know, kind of our yeah. day job. Yeah. Um, maybe if we're lucky, right. I, I yeah. mean, kind of luck. Or well, no, I, I understand. I'm in that transition of, you know, still working full time. Kids are really out on their own having babies, but they still need me. Thank oh, goodness yeah. they need me. <laughs> I'm with you there. Um, lots and lots. And um, so, yeah, it's that juggle. It's a big juggle. Yeah. So, so you got your memoir out. Okay. We're, we're so. rabbit trailing. I apologize, listeners. So you got your memoir out. You traditionally published that. And did you get an agent or, and how did that go for you? Yeah. So I, um, I'm kind of, if people who know me, I'm a very impatient person, which is not a good way to be in this I business. Too. <laughs> and so I did, I did join, I joined where Lambert writers as I was kind of getting my book out, which I thought was awesome. It was a newer community for me. And I learned some things and I went to some conferences, but I, um, I did pitch a few agents Yeah, and yeah. I gave it about five or 10 and I was like, yeah, forget it. Yeah, Let's I just know. look Not at the publishers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I, I did want to be traditionally published and I really wanted an Oregon publisher, but you mm-hmm. know what you learn is you've got to look at what genre they're interested in. Yeah. I knew I needed to go for a smaller press. I mean, I'm not going to be published by, you know, not to say never, but, you know, for my first book, you know, I, I yeah. kind of got, I was realistic. Yeah. And I did find um, a publisher that as it's turned out, um, I've been really thrilled with, I feel very, that they're very loyal to me. I feel loyal to them. They're based in um, Northern California, Bedazzled Inc. Publishing. And so. What a great name. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, they really specialize and, and this was part of what drew them to me. And I felt like it was right was they really want to tell the stories of women, um, not just what you read in the bestseller list, right? Mm-hmm. They really wanted to show the different lives and and, and diversity of women. And mm-hmm. so they don't That's care what cool. gender you are as a writer, but they want a protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. That is, you know, female. And so that really, for my memoir, that really spoke to me because I grew up in a very kind of full boy male kind of household and yeah (laughs) yeah, so um so I did I was traditionally published and then so then after that so I have a total of four books Mm -hmm. um my second one I I thought oh this would be fun to do creative so um (laughs) it's literary fiction which is my favorite genre to read yeah mine too okay cool Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) I I mean I tell people if you want someone who ties everything up with a bow and you know, you know, everything that you need to know, I, that's not me as a writer. And yeah. that's not me as a reader. 
Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I don't want happy endings and I don't want um, formulaic endings. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with cozy mysteries because I know there's not, I kind of know how it's going to go and I'll read those. Yeah. But I'm a historical fiction and literary fiction. Historical fiction, and it has to be good historical fiction because I'll go look it up <laughs> as a librarian. <laughs> I, I think that we probably read really similar things. We probably do, and, yeah. And, yeah, and so what I did, and I kind of, this was the big, this felt to me the big stretch because, you know, a memoir, you know, I like to tell people I didn't really change anything. I mean, you know, they're my memories, yeah, right? Yeah, but I wasn't exactly. creating stuff. and. Yeah. That unknowingly, at least. And yeah. so um, I um, had this thing happen to me when I was about 10. I We lived on the Willamette River in Wilsonville, and I put a note in a bottle, and I wanted a friend because I was kind of lonely. Like, I had four brothers, and I did go to school, but back then, you know, it was a little town, and yeah. I just yeah. thought it'd be cool to have a new friend, and so I put a note in a bottle, right? <laughs> so, um and it was amazing because in about, you know, a few months later, I got a package in the mail and it had my bottle. It had my original note and it had a new note and a man living, you know, downriver in West Lynn. That's so cool. I, I like to believe he was on the other side of the falls. So my bottle went over the yeah, falls. falls. <laughs> and um, he sent me back and it kind of was the whole thing about, hey, it was so great. And he calculated like river miles of distance and he. Um, and he kind of said, I'm sending it all back so you can try again. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so that was the idea mm-hmm. for Beyond the Ripples. But mm-hmm. my bottle goes way further. It goes to Westport, Oregon. Ah. And, and and it creates a whole bunch of meetings of different people. And so a lot that's of my so writing, cool. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my writing is very much about connections and uh, kind of serendipity a little bit. Like, I really believe that. I believe that like, I make these decisions every day and talking to somebody. Yeah. And like, I have a conversation that I would never know. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. You put that energy out, you're going to get it back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And with that one, I kind of, I think I pitched a couple other companies, you know, a couple other press. I'm like, yeah, because my publisher wanted it. So that oh, cool. was my decision. Yeah. Um, and then I did nonfiction. Then I kind of looked at all those blogs I had and I'd had a few people mm-hmm. say, Hey, Dee, Dee, these are great blogs. And it, it'd be easier if it was just in like a Kindle. Oh, kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that and I did that on my own. I mean, my publisher helped me with a little formatting, but because I knew I had a lot of high resolution photos, yeah. And no one's going to pay 40 or 50 bucks for this book. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I did the ebook and I have not sold many copies. And in fact, and I really priced it just to get it out. Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't promote it much. And I did yeah. just moved it to 99 cents. Ooh. So everybody listen. Jump yeah. It's, it's, it's it called like a really, that, You have a lot of history, family history. I do it. have. Yeah. yeah I, I might called, have to go check it out. <laughs> it's, it's called then now in in between. Mm-hmm. Um place memories and loss in Oregon. Oh, I'm definitely going to check it out because it's right in my genre of research. Um, Because right now I'm currently working on this book and I'm having a really hard time finding in the 1920s in my area. I have an appointment with our librarian to go into our library, our big city room. I'm looking for firsthand accounts. I don't want just the facts. I don't want, you know, I want to find some journals, some diaries, something to help build this picture of the 
the time setting that I'm writing this in and I'm struggling and I'm a librarian and I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm like yeah, messaging every library in Washington state. Oh my gosh, do we have anything in my area? And they're, they're like, uh, don't think so. <laughs> well, you know, and you, I'm so sure you do this because you're a librarian, but like for me, the research that I did need to do, I mean, I really relied on the Oregon Historical Society, the, um, my Great, great, greats had connections with Willamette University, right? And with um, a couple of museums there. So that was a big piece. And then there's the Museum of the um, Oregon Territory. And so I think, right, I mean, I think that's where you're going to find that and those people. Yeah, Yeah, good for you. I'm on the hunt. And so what's funny with me is that um, I, because I love research so much, but I also want to make sure my writing feels accurate. If somebody from the 1920s that lived in my area, because that's where the book is set in, picks us up, I want them to feel like it's Longview where Long Bell put their, you know, I want them to feel that. It doesn't mean it's going to be the, I want the setting and the time to almost be a character of itself, you know, so. Well, and that's, it's like setting time and place mm-hmm. are kind yeah, of a character, yeah. right? It's so like, like yeah. we never know how long this is going to take people. So <laughs> I'm working I on that. I'm, I'm loving that part. So I'm very interested in your ebook. I will go grab it. You, yeah. Everybody else listening that's interested in Oregon history, you probably should grab it too, because there's a firsthand accounts or firsthand retelling from families is like gold mine. <laughs> in fact, you should check out the blog I just posted with some old stories um, um, that I've more recently learned of a family story that nobody shared. Ooh, I, I will. How exciting. Okay, Didi, so you, uh, I had, uh, you stopped for a minute. So you were telling about the latest blog post before we went on camera um, that you would just put up that has a lot of history. So tell us all about that, because I want my readers to also know. Yeah, it's called, I'm kind of looking it up real quick to make sure I get the name right. It, it's called, um, it's it's my most recent one. And, and anyone who likes, you know, likes to read blogs, you know, I, I, I do really enjoy it. And I never run out of content. So time traveling to the secrets of our past. Yes. Part, part one, I posted a week or so ago. And part two, I just posted a few days ago. Yeah, I saw the parts and I was like, I want to get into this. This sounds very interesting to me. So fantastic. Well, listeners know I will have your um, website and also your blog attached to my show notes. So they go to it and I'm going to be reading this too. So I think we got to book two. <laughs> you have two more books, right? <laughs> Um, let's see. No, I think we're to or where we at? Let's see. Right. We did um, the memoir, memoir, the first literary fiction. Oh, yes. Then the then now the bo- the blog to book. Oh, OK, your oh, your blog book. And then what was and your fourth now, book? In my fourth book, I just released in January. Oh, congratulations. Humanity's Grace. And um, I did use my um, I went back to my publisher for that. And, you know, I did the same thing. I kind of like, oh, I should go you know, maybe I'll go real big here, right? And I'll kind of go pitch and, you know, it's hard, right? There's so many books out there. And, and it kind of came back to, you know, I have a really comfortable relationship with my publisher. Um, They've been really working hard to make things better for their authors. And, and this is what I've really learned. And I bet you have too, which is you have to decide what is it for me, right? Like, what are the most important things? Yeah, I love to write. I love it when I get to engage with people who have read my stuff Mm -hmm. and want to talk about it. And no, I'm not a bestseller. 
And it's, you know, I, of course, I'd like more people to buy my book, but I'm not, I'm not here to make, try to make more money. I'm not going to write to make more money. Yeah. I'm going to write what's from my heart. Yeah. I hear you on that one. (laughs) Right. And so I think with that, I was like, okay, then why then, then let me go with, you know, Bedazzled Ink. And um, this book came together pretty quickly. So this is a little different. And this is, was really fun because, you know, I'm not a traditionally trained writer, right? And so, but I read a lot and I, yeah. you know, we all have our thoughts. And so um, this Humanity's Grace, and I don't know if you, it the cover shows the Beautiful. bridge. My Get favorite color. Yeah. <laughs> and um, this is a... You know, I would technically call this a linked short story collection. Oh, very cool. But I have an author friend, Jeff, who kind of said it, it's actually a novel in stories. Oh, nice. I like that Which, terminology. I, I like that because it kind of reads that way. Yeah, that's nice. Um, and yet each, my whole goal here was it has 15 short stories and each one does need to be read, sit on its own. But when you read all of them and you read them in the order I put them in, right, mm-hmm. you getting a much bigger picture and it is a story. And what was interesting about how I got to it was um, after I finished Beyond the Ripples and I was blogging, but I was like, okay, I, I need, I need to do another book. I just, I got something in me. I don't know what it is. Yeah. And I started writing a sequel for Beyond the Ripples. I just, just playing with it. Yeah. But it yeah. just it just didn't feel like what I wanted to do. But what it did do was the very first part that I started that with is a story in this book. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. Right? So a couple characters from Beyond the Ripples show up in this book, along with a lot of other characters, many that never meet. Yes. And I can talk about what holds them together. But um, it's based mostly in Astoria because that is where one of the characters from the old other book lived. Yeah. It, you yeah. know, right? Yeah. So all your books are in the Pacific Northwest in the Oregon. Oregon they are. Territory. They are. That's awesome. I, I, I love I that. have a couple scenes in Seattle in each of yeah. my books. That's still um, but um, <laughs> it's been super fun That's to really, really, cool. really concentrate on Oregon. That's really and, cool. And a lot of river theme. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a lot of river theme, especially in my memoir, because so much family story around the river. But there's river themes in, in um, maybe a little less in Humanity's Grace. But um, yeah, I think that's a part of being a Pacific Northwestern. Now, I'm not original. I, we moved here when I was 18 months old. So I will claim that I am. I was raised in Washington my whole life, very close to the Oregon um, Oregon coast. And um, I feel like there's for us North, real true Pacific Northwesters and, and writers in the Pacific Northwest, water, rivers, and ocean is a huge theme for us, Be, not only because it rains so much, but because there is so much life and activity that's happened around these rivers and so much history. I mean, the Columbia River, if anybody travels here from outside and has never seen the Columbia River, and even from the East Coast, you know, you see the Mississippi River, and if you've seen the Columbia, there's not much to be impressed about the Mississippi River. You look at the Columbia, you're like, are you kidding me? It's enormous. Well, I love how you put it in the context of history. So, for example, when my great-great-great-grandmother and grandfather came out, right, they, you know, how would they get from point A to point B? Well, they took sailing ship up the Columbia to Vancouver, 
And then she was put in a canoe to get up to Nisqually. And then the only other part, you know, canoe plus a cart and horse. Because, you know, the rivers were how we could get around. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of research lately and looking at old old photos prior to the 1920s. Because I do think there's a book brewing before, like Mm -hmm. a prequel to the book that I have now. And I've been seeing a lot of where the piers were at on the rivers. And so Mm -hmm. now you don't see, you just see the pilings, the old pilings. And then to see the pictures of how much life happened on the rivers from homes to actual mills and and canneries and factories everything happened on our river every all of them and we have so many of them so it's just it's so fascinating so I love that that's a big theme in your books so so we have been rambling on about the Pacific Northwest obviously we love it so I tell my listeners all the time if you're not from the Pacific Northwest it rains all the time and you'll hate it (laughs) but no we love it here so why don't we dive into your reading? Because I'm so curious to sit back and listen and enjoy it. So I will go um, be quiet because the dogs are in the studio with me because we never know when they're going to bark. So we don't, I can't get their barking cut out after four years of podcasting. <laughs> so it's all you, Didi. It's great. And I'm going to place this a little bit since it's a collection of short stories. So as I mentioned, there's 15 stories and there's an event that happens. And it's a tragic event in this case. And really my, my challenge here was when, that, when something happens, especially a negative thing, but it could be positive too. Think of all the spinoff, right? Spinoff among people that don't even know each other. And so I had that and I really believe in these connections. And I also believe in this ability, you know, that we all have to be, you know, kind is a strong word. Maybe it's grace. It's this way we can be sometimes when we don't even realize it, that makes such a huge difference in somebody else's life. And so where I'm going to jump in is I'm kind of, I'm going in towards the end here, chapter thir- or not chapter, I say that story 13. And we're going to meet a character named Celia, who she, this is the only story she's in, where you see her where you see her name. But you realize as you get to the story that she's been in two other scenes. So I'm kind of referring to her as my bystander. And I'm not going to start at the beginning because I'm going to read about eight minutes or something like that. And I'm, and, and, and what, so um, Celia saw something and it stayed with her and she cannot figure out why she can't let go of it. And that is part of what her behavior has been. And so I'm going to just start reading and um, there we go. So, and this is placed, this is right in kind of Astoria in a residential part of kind of close to downtown Astoria. As Celia neared the block, it was easy to identify which house Jim had described. Gray weathered siding, front dirty white picket fence collapsing in a corner, a car in the driveway that looked as if it had been abandoned for years. She would have preferred calling ahead, but she did not even know the man's name. The the mailbox listed a nameless, barely legible address. Her heart thumped loudly against her chest wall as she walked up the path toward the house. She ignored internal warnings that she could be walking into danger as she knew she had to get through this. It was the only next step. Three concrete stairs led up to the door and they were barren of anything except a rolled plastic wrapped advertisement. She picked up the ad and set it next to the wall of the house and waited at the top landing, hoping she might hear something. Nothing. She ignored the doorbell and knocked on the door four times. 
softly, nervously, stopping to listen. This time, more boldly, she rapped harder on the door, once, twice, several more. She put her ear to the door and then quickly backed off. Coming, coming, she heard in the distance. Stomach acid seeped into places in Celia's gut where she was sure it should not go. And she shifted her weight from one foot to the other. Was she hungry after skipping breakfast or terrified? Anyone who knew her would be shocked by this act, rarely impulsive. The door swung open and a wiry man with thinning gray hair peered at her. He stooped forward and for a moment, Celia worried he might lose his balance. He continued to stare at her and Celia backed away from the door, speechless. Yes? What now? He had on baggy sweatpants and slippers and sounded irritated, like she had interrupted something. Hi, uh, I wondered if you had a few minutes to talk. The man looked puzzled. What? I can't hear you. And well, I can't stand here all day unless you want to pick me up off the ground. Without another word, the man turned away from her, leaving the door open and retreated back into the house. Celia watched him hesitate before sitting in a plaid recliner across the room by the window. She looked around outside, worried that a neighbor might think she was here to harm or rob the old guy. Not knowing what else to do, she stepped inside the house, reached back and pulled the door closed and walked across the worn shag carpet toward him. The room smelled like mildew and old French fries. Across the small room was a pull-out couch, still unmade with sheets and a coffee table holding dirty dishes. Who are you and what do you want? Before you sell me magazines, you should know I hardly read. Oh, and I don't have a checkbook or cash, but just go ahead, lay it out, would you? The man looked up at her. Celia spotted a chair near him, but it was covered with clothes and did not look inviting, so she remained standing. Hey, wait, he suddenly blurted. I know who you are. Oh, good, you came. Celia was startled. She turned to look behind her, thinking someone else had quietly followed her into the room. She wished she had left the front door open, feeling nervous to stupidly walk into some old guy's house, even if he seemed harmless. If not for safety, an open door might ventilate the room. She did not know what to say. Oh, yeah, the old man continued. You're that friend of my daughter. You know, my daughter visits, well, not very much, but she comes. She told me a, a friend of hers was moving out here. A friend would visit me. Celia caught her breath. Her bizarre morning was now transitioning into an episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, no, I don't think so. I'm Celia. Celia the man said, letting the S sound languish before giving a hard yeah. Not a name I've heard, I don't think. But it's lucky you found me because I didn't go to work today. I'll probably go tomorrow. Really? Celia didn't want to sound as though she didn't believe him, so she added, where do you work? Oh, you know, down at the docks. I, I move the boats around and yeah, it's a lot of work, but I've done it all my life, really. It's good. Keep, keeps me active. She didn't want to make it obvious, but she eyed the walker on the other side of his chair. And I just need to warn you, my son might be coming by, but I haven't seen him in a few days. You probably know him for all I know. 
Celia decided to follow his lead, not sure whether what he said was truth or nonsense, but leading toward, leaning toward the latter. Your son? Yeah, he's a good son. We had a bit of falling out, but he came back. That's what good sons do. Daughters too, I'd say. What's your son's name? Celia asked, starting to feel like she needed to sit, but uncertain she should stay any longer, even if she needed to know about this guy's connection to Frank. Why in the world was she there? She was absolutely batty. The man stared at her blankly and then confused, glancing away to look out the window. Then he looked back at her. Uh, it's John. Yeah, his name, it's John. Celia was not one to join in on small talk, if this weird conversation could be dis defined as it. But she could not seem to help herself. Well, when John comes, what do you do? Oh, we talk like this. Except mostly he talks. I listen. We talk about boats, of course. Shipwrecks. You know, oh, guy things. For the first time, the man smiled at her. Yeah, there's lots of shipwrecks happening around here. It's a dangerous ocean, I'd say. You know, no, you probably don't. But we call it the graveyard. Uh, the graveyard of um, of um, the ocean. Oh, and treasures. Celia wanted to help him by sharing the word Pacific, but she caught her tongue. The word treasure triggered Celia, reminding her of Jim's gold discussion. Lots of things. Yeah, he's a good boy. He hesitated, one of his eyebrows in a corner of his mouth raised. He squinted and looked down at the floor. He looked back at Celia. I'm sorry, I forgot your name. It's been nice to visit, but I need to get ready to go out soon. Thanks for telling me all those things and I'll be sure to think about them and we can talk about things, but you don't need to bring the newspaper, you know, like my son does, just so you know that. I can't really see it much and nothing good to read in it anymore. Uh, well, I see, Celia replied, although she didn't. Where does he live, your son, John? Oh, he lives around here. He's a good boy. Yes, he's a good boy. Okay, Celia said in a whisper. She wiped her eyes with her fists as she felt disparate pieces slowly mending together. She started to walk to the door and then turned back to him. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. How could you forget such an easy one? He laughed for the first time. Joseph. Joe is what my friends call me. Joe, Celia repeated. If I come again, can I bring you something? Oh, you don't need to bring me anything. My car's parked outside if I need supplies. Yeah, I just go get them. You go do your things. I have things to do too. Celia didn't reply, but wiped her palms on her yoga pants. As she walked toward the door, she looked back to see if he was following her to the door. But Joe was slouched back in his chair and his eyes were closed. As she opened the front door, she almost bumped into a middle-aged woman pulling keys out of her purse on the front landing. Who are you? The woman asked rudely. Can I help you? Celia moved away from the door and replied softly, I, I was visiting Joe. Celia felt as if she was busted for stealing something. Does he live alone? Joe? Heck no, thank God. Did he let you in? The woman turned to pull the door closed. And I think I'll stop there. Because I don't want to give too much more, too much away. I love it. I need to know more about Joe, though. <laughs> and and I think it's okay to say that the yeah. key event that brings these different people together 
some that very much knew this individual that knew knew a man the, there was a death a man yeah. died yeah right yeah and and then you probably knew that but I kind of just want to bring that together and that 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 and so um that was you know, his name was Frank so thank you Oh, I love it. Okay, everyone. So if you were hooked like I am, definitely get on Didi's website for my show notes. Um, I'll have a probably a picture of this book featured there so you can click right into it and get right to this particular book and check out her blog and some of the other um, books that she has written. So Didi, as we close out the podcast, knowing that we're still kind of in the, you know, post-pandemic world, do you have anything that... Um, you will be available at for people to meet you, sign your book, you know, you, you sign their book for them, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I love that question. And yeah, you know, authors during the pandemic have really been hit by going to zoom and I've done some zoom events. Yeah. Um, I, I do have a live event. I think it's called Winecraft um, in Astoria in September with two other authors and that will show up on their website soon. I am also looking and I'm looking for engagements. And one thing I'm actually thinking I'm going to do just um, host either with a bookshop bookstore or just maybe on my own is a discussion of this book, because I have had a number of people who've read it want to talk about it. And it's very interesting to me as it all is all authors to get feedback. So I might be doing that. So any of my events I do put on my website. And okay. if you want me to come do anything, give me a let her know. So if you listen, so this is your action item. I love giving my listeners an action item. Get this book, read it, and then follow Dee, Dee for when she does that discussion and show up and let her know you found her on the podcast because it's always so much fun for us to know where people found us. So Dee, Dee that sounds great. I might have to make a trip for the wine um, event in September. Sounds like right up my alley. <laughs> we'll have to see. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And um, listeners, find her, let her know you found her um, from the podcast and buy her book and write a review for sure. Thank you so much, Vicki, and best of luck to you on your on all of your upcoming work. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Make sure you jump on the show notes and find the author, buy their books, write a review. And most importantly, you can find out more about me and my projects at one of my two websites, www.squishpin.com or theauthorslibrarian.com. And until next time, this is Vicki J. Carter, the Author's Librarian, signing off.